0: Back up, please.
1: Hello and welcome to Bizzy Nation, Dhando Takko Rokro. This is Ritika and I have a potato sandwich eating Abhishek. Eating.
0: <laughs> Hello, everyone. I thought you would not mention it because it's...
1: <laughs> okay, I still eating the sandwich? <laughs> no, it
0: got done. I prepared it myself. I'm very proud about it.
1: I had yeah. to hold I had to wait for a whole five minutes so I
0: <laughs> That's why I said I hoped you wouldn't mention it. All right, let's begin with the topics that we have or and it's pretty late out there in Australia, I guess. Nine thirty.
1: Yeah, it's ten. So yeah, let's get going. I guess the first news is what we call a gossip come business news. Uh, Dominic Strauss-Kahn, the head of the IMF, that is the International Monetary Fund, has been charged of trying to rape a hotel maid from the Sofitel Hotel near Times Square in New York. And um, earlier a New York, judge had refused to give him bail, but now he's released on bail.
0: Right. The woman would have had a beautiful body for him to gamble on his life, on his post on a possible French presidential candidate. He's given that all up in a matter of 24 hours. It was said that he left the hotel in a huff, in a, in a hurry. And then while he was on board the plane, he called back uh, at the hotel to ask them about a few things that he'd left behind. And that's when the Federal Bureau of Investigation or whoever the authorities were got to know his whereabouts and they arrested him on the flight. And now he's been detained and he has to incidentally Arranged for his own security in a x hundred thousand dollars, so that he is put under a house arrest because the place where he was supposed to be hold housed the the residents of that building <clears throat> did not allow him to be put there with all the media attention that he was getting, so now he's had to arrange his own little apartment which for which he has to pay a lot of money to for his security and if he steps out they have been ordered to use whatever force required to put him back in the house
1: that's true and this is also not the first case against him there have been two such incidents before and i think there's one more case that has been now filed against him or the woman is planning to file a case against him i guess it's not new for him
0: yeah in fact that woman also said that she was working as a subordinate with him at the IMF when that happened some time back and she says that he's a man with a problem that may make him ill-equipped to lead an institution where women work under his command. Although also mentions that he is an outstanding head of the IMF From in terms of uh, the way he's worked on his job. The Economist also put him as one of the best IMF heads and uh, something that would have helped the European nations to come out of the debt crisis that they are going through.
1: Yes, and he was also supposed to be a strong candidate for the French presidency Hmm. after Sarkozy for the next election. He was supposed to stand against Sarkozy from the Socialist Party. Now that all this has happened, one never knows. I mean, there are conspiracy theories that it was probably because, you know, to malign him because he was going to stand for the French presidency. That could be one of the reasons.
0: That's an interesting argument because if a lady walks into your room to clean your sheets and then you want to do certain things that you don't do with a lady who is a stranger without consensus, then it cannot be somebody maligning you but your mind turning towards, yeah, but, you know. But the, look at
1: it from one so, way. He's he's not yet convicted. Yeah. So it's just... a charge against
0: him right but he does have a reputation to be a
1: yeah he does but there's a difference between a womanizer and a sexual assaulter mm-hmm. so the first one is someone's own personal business and if his wife doesn't mind it who are others to comment on it as long as he is doing his job at imfl and the french are famously you know they are indifferent to their politicians private lives and it comes down then to his standing for the presidential elections. Now, in that case, if his being a womanizer matters, then he won't be voted for. If
0: it doesn't, then he would be voted for. Coming from a girl, that's a very interesting point you make, Ritika. If there is a guy... Yeah, but but there's a
1: difference between...
0: He's been been charged for attempted rape and unlawful imprisonment in connection with sexual assault.
1: No, let let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. That's what I said. That the difference is between whether he's a womanizer or a sexual assaulter. So it probably may be established that he's a womanizer, but that's a separate issue. Now whether he is a sexual assaulter or not is something that is yet to be established by the court. Because you we have examples like I don't favor them, even as a woman, I don't I don't favor that, you know, womanizers are held high in the society. Mm. But if you see examples like Bill Clinton, he's doing pretty well today, isn't he? If you see another example, I, I don't know if he was convicted or not, but Fanish Murthy?
0: Yeah, he wasn't, but uh, yes.
1: The guy who was ousted or whether he resigned from enforces after the sexual assault case, I don't know what happened with the case later, but today the guy heads iGate, which is now bought PCS, Putney computer services. It looks like he's doing pretty well
0: yeah but it yeah. is said that in a in an we we've learned this in law in our days back when we were studying that even a consensual sex between an employer and his subordinate is also a big question mark because we don't really know how much of this sex is consensual because even in this case not in this case but the the lady who uh, came out in the open after she didn't charge him back in 2001 when that happened to her when she was working under him she said that if i did it i would be damned if i didn't i would be damned Womanizing, that's what Tiger Woods did. He did not sexually assault anyone. Yes. However, here is a case which, of course, it hasn't been proven, but from what the account of the chambermaid is from that hotel, Mm. guns have been pointed towards him. So, If he
1: did that, and if he is held guilty of that, then he should be punished. And and I think the maximum prison sentence for that is 25 years in US. It's something for
0: the court to decide. Yes, and in the meantime, there has been a temporary replacement. John Lipsky has taken over till the next IMF chief is elected. There has been a big row over who should take over as the IMF chief. It is traditionally a European who handles that post, whereas a, an American takes the World Bank head post. The, the Europeans are saying that the leaders should be from Europe because they best understand the Euro debt crisis. And there is one Arvind Virmani who is on the IMF board from India. He says that's an interesting logic. Wherever there is an Asian debt crisis, there should be an Asian managing director. Whenever there should, there is an African crisis, Mm -hmm. should there be an African director at the helm? But all sorts of names have been floating around. But more importantly, the problem is with these countries like Greece and uh, Ireland where, you know, in Greece, the Prime Minister was asked to give the islands and monuments as collateral for any further debt that he would get from the European countries. And that's the, kind of crisis that the European, some of the European nations are going through.
1: Yes, but even after the uh, loans that have been given out to Greece and Ireland, in the recent you know, Eurozone finance minister's meeting, which was held at Brussels, and as you said, it was presided by the deputy MD of IMF, right. the minister signed off, I think, a... billion emergency loan to Portugal, which is the third country now to be bailed out since the last year. And in the meeting, they have also now pushed back the agenda of having a restructuring plan for Greece Mm -hmm. because it seems that if they put more restrictions on Greece, then it will take longer for Greece to come out of crisis because you would be curtailing their expenditure and so on. Whereas Khan was of the opinion that the money should be given to these nations so that they can spend and they should not be really given as loans but as grants. So he was not of the opinion that there should be strict expenditure limitations set on these countries. But now with the crisis deepening further, it would be interesting to see what will happen and it will really depend on the next, I guess, the IMF head who takes over.
0: Right. And and Europe had put a set of rules that everybody had to follow like for example uh, no government can borrow more than three percent of its economic output each year and now that you said that Mm -hmm. now Khan is of the opinion that there should not be any cap is because there are countries which now have gone so deep in the crisis that Ireland for instance has borrowed 32 percent of its output as against the prescribed three percent and now the the IMF is of the opinion or Khan at least was of the opinion that you know you've got to give a bit more so that they come and Where they can breathe. And uh, it is said that, you know, roughly over the medium term, if your country's real rate of economic growth, meaning any growth without any stimulus or help from the government, is greater than its real rate of debt servicing, then it will be able to pay down debt. So, in other words, for instance, if my monthly income is 50,000 rupees and if my loan is 20,000 rupees per month, and if I'm taking more loans Mm -hmm. for a better living, whether it's a car or a house, and if my income is not growing proportionately, then to give me a reprieve, what I do instead of phasing out my loan in three years, I would pay that loan in 10 years. I would end up paying more, but at least I'll have some breathing space. So that is the restructuring of debt that is not happening in uh, countries like Ireland and Greece. These countries like uh, Greece, Ireland, Portugal, very rashly said that we will insure all the banks during the financial crisis. And incidentally, all of them went down and they are sitting with too many banks to be bailed out, which they cannot do all by themselves.
1: That's right. In fact, Greece had originally promised to raise 15 billion pounds from the sale of its state assets, and um, earlier this year that figure was raised to 50 billion pounds, and they haven't been able to do so far. And now, you know, there's one more loan given to Portugal. But in Portugal, like both the government and the opposition party, they have agreed to the reforms laid out by the IMF and the European Commission and the European Central Bank. Uh Whereas in Greece, that's not the case. They are still fighting
0: the reforms. I just hope these guys get their act together because I've always wanted to go to Europe and and travel on. But you can go now because
1: the euro has fallen because of all this.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Damn, my rupee currency, my rupee salary is not growing at, as much as I would want it to, <laughs> to be able to spend it in Europe. It's so, <laughs> I'll have to wait for a while.
1: Yeah, also it's interesting to see that, you know, because of this crisis now, the Asian market has fallen in the past few days. The European markets mm. have fallen and now Wall Street has fallen and one of the reasons for Wall Street to fall is the dollar has become costlier against Euro because Euro falls and the dollar rises. And because right. of that, the American exports are getting hurt. And that's why the markets have fallen in U.S. So it's very really tightly coupled.
0: Yeah, coupled. We heard that word decoupled quite a million number of times during the <laughs> financial crisis, right? Whether India is decoupled from the whole mess and all of that, nobody is decoupling <laughs> from each other. Yeah,
1: and 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 um. So I should not say yeah, I should say yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, people will talk about my accent, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, talking about India, you know, our um, Montek Singh Ahuvalya, the head of India's Planning Commission, he is also a name in the running, or not exactly a name in the running, but one of the people whose name was looked for heading IMF. And the other thing is that, you know, the Europeans are basically pitching for the French finance minister, the current French finance minister. I think she's Christine Lajard, or however you pronounce her surname. But the emerging countries are fighting over or discussing probably who should be their candidate. So Mm -hmm. there's China, Brazil, South Africa, and everyone has their own favorites. So uh, it would be interesting to know which way America goes. Their vote really matters in all this. And it would be interesting to see whether they favor an emerging market candidate or a uh, European leader candidate.
0: Right. Uh, if we go back and check the number of times that we've used the word interesting in this, in this podcast, yes. it will be interesting <laughs> to see the number of times we've used the word interesting. And one it's does different. that when you don't have... <laughs> One does that when we don't know what the output or the outcome is. So, it's interesting to see how it all turns out. That's the word <laughs> for this podcast. Should we move on now to the next one?
1: Oh, yes.
0: Mr. Vikram Pandit, the Citibank CEO, who was uh, in the news during the financial crisis 2007 8 and mm-hmm. was about to be sacked now, is a pretty rich man with $10 million stock grant plus new options, worth uh, would be $6.7 million, plus us profit sharing, And all this because Citibank wants to retain him for another four years.
1: Yes, and in fact, I remember a Forbes' Fortune-type list of worst uh, CEOs a year back, which had Mm. him at the top of the list. And in fact, CNBC ranked him as the 20th worst American CEO of all time. And suddenly the tables have turned.
0: They were justified because uh, there was a time uh, in 2007 where Citibank's share price or stock price dropped by 87% and the government uh, bailed the bank out by lending the taxpayers money, which totaled to $45 billion. But today as it stands, the government has actually made a profit of uh, $12 US billion. Now, Citibank has sold off all non-performing assets and they've paid back the money. To the go- uh, government or the Federal Reserve,
1: but then at that time, I think most of the banks were not doing that well, yeah. or their shares had fallen down. In fact, at, during that time, you know, where there was this whole controversy about the bank managers taking huge amounts in salary and bonuses. Mm-hmm. So Vikram Pandit was, you know, one of those who said that he would slash his salary to a dollar per year until the bank returned to profitability. So. We don't know how much of it is sham I and how much of it is real. But yes, he did say
0: that. And he came into Citibank as a rich man. He had received $165.2 million as salary pre-tax in 2008. Why? Because he had co-founded a hedge fund which was taken over by Citibank. So he entered Citibank with that hmm. joining bonus, hmm. let's call that uh, joining bonus. And in 2008, $38.2 million with combined losses of $29.3 billion. Within two years, if we can turn it around and uh, get the share prices back to normal, it's a pretty hard gig to pull off. He's done that. How has he done that? It'll be an interesting case study, right? How many employees sacked? How many jobs? Yes. Uh, how many uh, branch <laughs> offices shut down? What did he do to the, the technology? And, so, and the bad loans that he had serviced? Unfortunately, I don't know. If you've read some article, if all you listeners out there, it'll be great if you could send us links and we could do a podcast where we talk about how these these banks, what do they do behind those doors to turn around? Or maybe three years later, we might just come to know that it was a big scandal and uh, something like
1: Uh, Yeah, you never know these days because every year it's a different news, every year it's something new. Probably two years later you will come to know that Vikram Pandit was involved in some scam. I hope not. Yeah, no, no.
0: One Indian-sounding name is enough to be in the news. The name is Raja Ratnam who is from Sri Lanka. Let's not have too many Indian-sounding people doing all these scams in the West.
1: I'm I'm sure um, he he has probably done a very good job because even if you compare the performance of Citibank shares with the other banking shares, then Citibank has outperformed all of its top competitors in the past year. Mm. And in fact, Vikram Pandit, during one of his... um, at a Wharton Business School He said that You know Heading uh, City Group At that point of time Was a bit like Becoming the captain Of the Titanic After the ship Hit the iceberg
0: Aha uh-huh. Dialogue And he's
1: managed To save the ship From sinking <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah he has So well I guess uh, Time to wrap up now or do you want to take up the last topic
1: yeah let's let's do that Hmm. it's currently um, a hot burning topic though i think it is probably doused a bit but uh, ratan tata made some controversial statements last week and i was really amused to see you know facebook status of some people saying that how those statements are made for an interesting sunday morning read (laughs) so it actually made the sunday morning for many people very interesting do you do you want to talk about that? Do you want to say what? All he I read said? was
0: uh, I think he now it comes out that he he was misquoted in the media to have past comments on Mukesh Ambani's residence, which is 27 storey. Then he says that you know it's quite dismal to see a honko of uh, Mukesh Ambani's stature to to live there when people around him are poor or the the vicinity around him and the whole it represents exactly the opposite of what balanced income distribution is and all of that and now he
1: has made the clarification that he did not say those comments for Ambani but he said that as a reaction to a question which asked him about the widening gap between the rich and poor in India
0: I think all front pages like Ratan Tata when he does something wrong because he very seldomly does something that you know that is controversial <laughs> if you leave aside the Neera Radia tapes yes.
1: and also it was in India. In corporate head calling
0: the British managers lazy that made for a very good read <laughs> oh yes he did so didn't he he said that on a Friday evening when I walk into certain offices which have mostly British employees five o'clock there is nobody out there everybody's out out to celebrate their weekend that is not going to happen anymore <laughs> <laughs> because he says that when a worker works up to 11 in the night to fix a problem if there is one then he needs to get adequate support from his engineers also so he pointed a few fingers on the bricks because he has uh, purchased a Land Rover from Ford in 2008, a British company.
1: Yeah, but he did give a press clarification later that he never called them lazy. And th- the whole analogy between the way people work in developed nations and the way people work in developing nations. So I don't think it's just India hmm. versus Britain. It's more of the developed nations and developing nations. I'm sure even in China people work that hard or are used oh, to?
0: China is probably 2x India. They work a bit more than they should. So so is the case with Japan. <laughs> and in Japan, you know, the Japanese have been informed to report to officers not wearing their suits. Why? Because if you wear those suits, that means that much more air conditioning will have to be used in an economy which is not doing well, especially after the tsunami. Uh, so wear T-shirts. <laughs> we don't <laughs> mind wearing you wearing shorts also. So people actually get their suits in their hands to see if their bosses are wearing the suits or not. If their bosses are okay with T-shirts, then they get their suits aside. That's what the case is with Japan. And coming back to the topic, well, in Europe, in Britain, about the work culture, uh, Europeans generally love their free time. They will not work on weekends. There is a retirement age which has been brought down from 62 to 60, or probably it is is being lobbied for.
1: That's right. I think in France, the working hours are now 35 hours per week. So that's not like a normal 40 Mm. hours week. You know, after all this crisis at Greece and at Portugal and Ireland, I think (laughs) probably they should learn a lesson uh, that 35 hours a week is probably not good. I mean, it's good to have a balance between your personal life and work life. But if it's tilted too much on one side, on either side, it's not good. But the developing nations and the developed nations, you know, probably the twain shall meet someday.
0: It will be interesting to see if that happens. <laughs> interesting, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's about it for this episode of Busy Nation. Go log on to the Indicast.com and leave your comments. You can follow us on Facebook at Indicast Podcast Network. Just like us there. That's about it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.